This is Mark Mullinax with a bonus episode for our class, Power for the Peaceful Podcast. Today, bonus episode number five, No Thinking Required. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. Sweet sound of the river as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? First, an announcement. I'm releasing this bonus episode on October 25, 2023. In the last two weeks, I've been attending a family emergency, and that's why the regular podcast has taken a two-week pause. Additionally, in my work at the Biltmore House in Asheville, it's Christmas time, and I'm working more hours until the first of the year, that is 2024. So, My plan is to release regular episodes every two weeks instead of every week. Now to today's podcast on the questionable power of thinking. Thinking is a problem because when we think our unique thoughts, they are our unique but undisciplined ways to grasp, to hold on to, and to desire control. And to grasp and hold on through unmanaged desires is to get spiritual rope burn. This bonus episode is for the overthinkers, us anxious ones, the many of us who feel that to worry about something is somehow to improve that something. We all do it to some measure. Thinking kills immediacy and spontaneity. So the epigraph or opening quote for this episode is from a Christian theologian named Paul Tillich, who was tapping into Taoism and Buddhism when he wrote, Thinking destroys the immediacy of life. The question remains as to whether a renewed immediacy can be established. That's from his book, A History of Christianity. Another Christian theologian, Alan Watts, who turned from Western theology to Eastern traditions, said this, A person who thinks all the time has nothing to think about except thoughts. So they lose touch with reality and live in a world of illusion. Today's bonus episode is about first identifying and second learning to interrupt the negative or non-helpful ways in which we think. As the Buddha said, and he was right, with our thoughts we make the world. That's from his collected book of teachings called the Dhammapada. Or to put this into my language, we think and then we actually believe our own thoughts. Or to use street language, we get high on our own supply. With our brain thoughts, we make our ever self-reverencing tiny worlds. Shakespeare said, there's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And Milton said something similar. The mind is its own place, he wrote in Paradise Lost. 
and in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. These quotes all rhyme with the Buddha's teaching, with our thoughts we make the world. And in these quotes we have a wonderful, rare meeting of Eastern and Western traditions. Thinking, according to some ancients and moderns, is obviously a suspicious activity. So with this chorus of East, West, ancient, and modern voices, let's dive into a problem that is unique to no culture or time and pervades everyone's every day. We think and think and think that what we think is true, important, and somehow corresponds with reality. Yeah, right. The desire and grasping for control are the problem, though. Example, try holding your breath, like for two minutes. You'll quickly learn that to hold on or grasp one's breath is to lose your breath and your life. And now imagine a world where its social currency is based upon holding on, grasping, never letting go, seeking ever to control things, one's environment, people, and events. That society is soon as good as dead. So our need to control can be seen or discerned in the thoughts we generate as we imagine that all our worrying and fretting could actually change the world. Most of the time when I overthink, I'm into control. But the energy of my thinking always backfires, and I find myself getting lost, truly lost to myself in thought. Just consider, if all of our thinking made sounds, the atmosphere would be screaming, shrieking all the time. Meanwhile, in private, our brains fall in love with concepts and conceptualizing, not in the moment-to-moment -moment experience of the joy of being alive in the moment. We all know of people, maybe even ourselves, who think that they're always correct, right, proper, when we know them in actuality to be control freaks. It's a my way or the highway kind of thinking. But their way is a tiny, control-freaking side path, not the way. I, like most people I know, fill myself with concepts and thoughts, information, thinking that such is a magic cipher, a password, or some shortcut or spiritual bypass. Information is power, right, we're told? If I just believe the right things, then all is well, right? Well, in a sense, if the information serves one's own purposes, it can become the wrong kind of power for those around you. For if one uses all one's resources to insert one's own views or beliefs or way into a situation, we usually end up mucking things up. For our views are limited. Our beliefs are useful to very few people. Our unexamined ways are hardly the way or Tao. Whenever one thinks one's own thoughts or beliefs, one asserts or inserts an I into matters that don't require an I. We identify with something that needs none of our help. 
It's our way to distinguish ourselves because we assume that to insert or to assert ourselves is to somehow to improve the world. But the world does not need that kind of improving, the kind that only an ego might provide. Instead, what happens over time when we identify with something, that something comes to own you. Like alcohol, a bad habit, a conspiracy theory, a scheme, an attitude, each can become our master if or when we don't master them. Several times, in several ways, Tao Te Ching enlists silence or the muting of voice and thought in order to know Tao better. There's a spiritual principle at work here. When one is full of stuff or thoughts, concepts, words, or other habits of assigning some kind of meaning, belief, or control, one has little room for a headspace or body that is dedicated to silence. In the silence, one can, quote, hear, unquote, different things. Just like in darkness, only then can one see stars. So do you ever find yourself overthinking things? Or getting hypertense about some aspect of your life? Or you wake up at night solving the world's problems? In each, one's brain is not your friend. Your brain has not turned off or accepted its duty to rest and be quiet. And you cannot order a brain into silence. That is, one cannot think about non-thinking. The brain has to be trained. We train our bodies, yes, but who trains their brains these days? We get into these grooves or ruts of thinking or habits and styles of thinking where we think thoughts kind of alien to who we are or what we really need in the moment. An undisciplined brain, or if I may, a lazy brain, can think just about anything at once. I mean, our brains spew out these random, sometimes embarrassing thoughts. You cannot even predict what the brain will think of next. And most of the time, or perhaps all the time, our undisciplined brains are shameless, putting thoughts out there for us to consider or negotiate, and maybe, just maybe, we start to believe our own brain's thought products. So let me say this again, perhaps in a too negative kind of way, but I think you'll capture my logic. It's like the brain produces these BS ideas, and then we start actually to believe our own brand of BS and defend that BS as if actually true. We've seen this happen. Two spiritual principles apply here. One is what you tend to and what you attend to tends to grow. What we practice, we become. If we practice untrained thinking, we become an anxious person about the future or a regretful person about the past or maybe both at the same time. Sometimes we need an interruption an intervention. Tillich's question is apt. Is a new spontaneity possible? The second spiritual principle is this. If you want to uncover something in oneself, one needs to abandon one's almost sacred or sacrosanct views about who we think we are. So, is it possible to train the brain to stop thinking? The good news is that it's very possible. In fact, to turn off the faucet of thoughts 
and live in sync with our naturally silent psychic center of self, that's where our true home is, where we are most ourselves. So it is not only possible to visit this silent space, but also to live there for longer and ever longer periods of time through practice in this very home place of our souls. How can we do this? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? Tap into your thoughts for just a minute or two. Pencil in hand, write down every thought that comes to you in a timed one or two minutes. For most of us, you have to use shorthand notes because the word thoughts flow out faster than we can write. You may want to use a voice recorder and record what your unruly brain produces. I don't want to know what you think, but does your list surprise you, depress you? That is, are your thoughts like mine kind of in need of discipline, like a lot of discipline? However, just as we have, well, learned to get used to mindless or undisciplined thoughts, we can unlearn these habits. And I have a few suggestions. And I invite you to do two things. First, consider the power that thinking has upon you. And maybe choose one way that I will suggest to put your thinking under arrest. Second, if you have your own ways of stopping thinking, please send them to me. I'll add them in a future podcast with your name and your method. So I think we have each of us natural human states, states that stay, quieten, or extinguishing thinking altogether. I'm speaking about ecstasy, not the drug, of course. Body shaking, tear producing laughter. Delight. Meditation. Getting one's jaw just dropped in awe and wonder. These are each and all wordless states, states that arrest our words and thoughts. Go out into the clear night sky and gaze up at the stars and feel your jaw slacken as your entire body sees or feels the grandeur of what's above. Remember when you were at the Grand Canyon or you took a delight in a child or in some event, your thinking just stopped. You just were. When you laugh, and I mean a hearty laugh, not that forced sound we often make, your brain has gone on a vacation, which it needs. We are fascinated by words, said Ram Dass, but where we meet is the silence behind them. In these wordless states of our human experience, like when we are ecstatic or laughing, we're not thinking. In stakes of ecstasy or deep laughter, it's like our thinking, the thousand thoughts a minute, gets interrupted. I think it impossible when in such states, it is impossible to live in a thought-dominated, regretful past scenario or in a thought-produced, anxious future scenario. There are many, many ways, many Taos to stop your thinking. When ecstatic or laughing, really laughing, or in states of wonder, awe, delight, it's just impossible to think. 
more states I'll suggest right now, but mine is not an exhaustive list. Our thinking habits can be interrupted and be given a vacation by a thankful gratitude moment. Just being thankful for this moment and all that has gone well to reach this moment is a great way to turn off the spigot of thoughts. Singing and chanting are also good ways. I love playing with children, just getting into their logic and worlds and enjoying their glee and curiosity are great ways to be not thinking. Another way, or Tao here, is to go around with an intentional smile on one's face and you know why you're smiling. Another way, syncing with a community united by one mission or passion can turn down the volume of one's unhinged, unsynced thoughts. Or just being in the presence of beauty, like that of a person's face, or while viewing wild nature, just marveling in that moment of beauty. And let's not forget the power of pure delight or joy. Joy and delight are always there, of course, no matter what. Why not join them instead of staying inside one's head? As the poet Wendell Berry advised us, be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. Oh, let's not forget mystery, the kind that leads you to no answers, no words, and so no thoughts. Mystery, like in Dada Ching's first verse, silences thinking. For to talk about something or to conceptualize it, to put it in words and explain it, is to end the mystery of it. I think a mystery a day keeps things alive and keeps us alive to these wondrous surprises that are happening all over the place, all the time. But maybe our thinking has prevented us from these daily miracles. There are many ways, folks. I'm just scratching the surface. Please send me your favorite ways at mmullinax at mhu.edu. So, concluding, what's wrong with thinking? The brain is lazy. It doesn't like to think new thoughts. It just retreads old thoughts all the time. My brain likes all new experiences to somehow slide into pre-existing thought patterns and thought boxes. It likes to reiterate and then reiterate again. My untrained brain does not know when to stop. I like to fret over the future, which leads to anxiousness. I like to hold on and review the past, which takes me into regret. My own personal hells. Thinking makes these so. So consider these practices of stopping your thinking. Joy, awe, wonder, laughter, and all the rest. These are a choir of practices that one can enlist to help one sing a different tune and get off that merry-go-round of constant thinking. So cleanse your palate. How? Just practice joy, awe, wonder, chanting, singing, delight, playing with children, syncing with a larger community that's doing good work. I'll conclude with the opening of a song by Alabama 3 called Peace in the Valley. When I use this clip in my classes, I always play it twice for good measure. 
And be advised, there's one word in these lyrics that may not be suitable for all ages. For whatever reason you refuse to feel this space we're in, to know it's insanity, really know it. Whatever your particular anesthetic is that you hold on to so desperately, the thing I mean that makes you think you know who you are, whatever that thing is you allow to keep you sane, your ace in the hole, the psyche that keeps you from trying to guess at what your pimp has in store for you, whatever keeps you from screaming out at this very moment in absolute and sheer horror, whatever you fuck your brain with, whatever that is, whatever that is, it's a lie. It's a lie. She- this podcast is an original labor of love designed, written, and co-produced by many whose central ideas that Tao Te Ching and Taoist practices remain good news for today. Tao still speaks. Thanks to Alder Davis for art, to Molly Hartwell for thought-stopping singing. Fortress Press holds the copyright for any use of my Tao Te Ching translation. And thank you for listening. May your days begin in peace and become laboratories for how to calm an unruly mind. When you're listening, are you listening?